0: Good morning, good morning. For those of you who are watching from home today, we've got about three thousand people here right now. It's just packed full right here. No, not really, not really. Hey, you know we're dealing with snow and and everything else with the, uh, the the virus, and people are just staying away. So many of you are watching from home today, and we're we're glad you're you're with us. Open your Bibles to First Corinthians chapter one. First Corinthians chapter one. We we are in the last message in this series titled Momentum. Momentum. And we're glad you're joining us today because there's, there's a lot in this last message and I'm, and I'm glad to be able to deliver it to you. So uh, as you remember, we started off this series by talking about what do you do when you find yourself in a place where you get knocked down? Well, we bounce back up, and we let it create momentum in our lives. You see, today as we, as we uh, begin with this, we're going to be talking about something that affects everyone's lives, and it's called, uh, we're, we're, God is wanting us to be people who stand up, who stand up for him. And so, not only bouncing back, not only walking through the fears in our lives, but now he's calling us to stand up. And the question becomes, there are things in this world like peer pressure. You ever hear of that, peer pressure? You probably are familiar with that. It's it's this thing that affects everyone's lives. You know, people nowadays, more and more people, are trying to look like one another. They're trying to act like one another. They're trying to live in a situation where everybody is all the same. And God is calling us to be people who stand out when the world is saying, look alike, be alike. See, that's why uh, people try to look alike everyone else. They try to look like everyone else. People try to talk like everyone else. Uh, that's why people like to dress like everyone else. And the end result is that we become like everyone else, and God is calling us to be unique, to be specific. He's called you to be who you are. He's made you just the way you are, perfectly made. And the truth of the matter is, God is calling us to not be carbon copies of one another, but to do his will. In this in this series we've been looking at, in the first message, we talked about thinking bigger and how we had to be people who, as we start this new year now, it's in January, that we have to think bigger uh, about who God is because if we're not careful, we'll make God small, uh, almost to the size of our problems. And the next thing you know, well, is God big enough to to handle our problems you see we make our problems God size and we make God problem size and he doesn't want us to do that in week two we talked about how do we gain momentum by bouncing back and I asked you a question in that series when you get knocked down do you stay down or do you allow it to bounce you back and gain momentum in week three we talked about no fear, how it was important from a spiritual standpoint to grow that we are people who don't walk in fear, that we walk with Christ, that we we see the fear things come on us and we walk through those things. You know, so often we think when we're fearful of stuff, you know what we do, we try to avoid those things. But. What do you do if you're afraid of flying? Do you just never fly again? Or do you fly and fly and fly until you're not afraid anymore? You have to keep going through it. See, God is calling us to move through things, not avoid them, and trust in him. Last week, we talked about stepping out. And life is about stepping out and taking risks. Living our lives with no regret. In today's message, we're going to talk about this business of of standing out, about being different, about walking in a way that God can be seen through us. Now, here's, here's the problem with that. Sometimes to the world, we look foolish. People look foolish. People who stand out have this way of looking foolish I mean uh, people are afraid of that you know one of the things that people are so fearful of it's speaking in front of large groups of people people are petrified of that you know what the second thing is they're afraid of dying people are more afraid about talking in front of groups of people than they are dying I can't believe that, but that is the truth. And I have to understand. I understand that because I used to be petrified about talking in front of people. When I talked in front of people, I would almost get sick before it was time for me to get up and do that. Well, not anymore. But I used to. I used to be that way, and it was very, very. uh, It was something to battle. Uh, You know, it's the things that stop kids. From raising their hands in the fourth grade because what if I raise my hand in the fourth grade and I get the answer wrong everyone will laugh at me so they don't raise their hands it's the things that stop someone from asking someone out on a date because what if they say no and I look foolish it's the it's the thing that stops college students from changing their majors because what happens if I go to college and I, and I go through most of it and then I realize I don't wanna do that anymore. I don't really wanna be that. I'd look foolish spending all that money to do that. And so people find themselves settling. They find themselves moving to a place where, where they just don't wanna look foolish. They wanna fit in. Uh, here's a point in your notes this morning. It's the first one in our message. Spiritual maturity is the willingness to look foolish. Spiritual maturity is the willingness to look foolish. Look at what it says in 1 Corinthians 1, 27. But God chose the foolish things of the world to shame the wise. God chose the weak things in the world to shame the strong. If you think about it, in other words, God deliberately chose the things that the world would consider foolish in order to shame them uh, from thinking that they're so wise. Uh, Think about it for a minute as we all are Bible scholars here. We all know the things in the Bible, right? Think about Noah. Noah had to look foolish about building an ark in the desert it had never rained I need to build this ark because there's going to be a flood what's a flood what's rain what do you mean think about Sarah she had to look foolish shopping for maternity clothes at 90 years old are you kidding Sarah is this for your great 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 granddaughter Uh, think about the Israelites they looked foolish marching around the walls of Jericho blowing a trumpet holding a, a lantern or a light a jar with a light in it David looked foolish attacking a giant with a slingshot the wise men must have looked really foolish as they followed the star for two years Peter I think Peter probably looked really foolish when he stepped out of the boat onto the water and walked out on the water. You think about those things and listen, faith is willing or having the willingness to look foolish. If you and I are going to walk in faith, we're gonna have opportunities that come before us that people are gonna go, really? Well, we know the stories I just mentioned. I mean, Noah was saved from the flood. Sarah gave birth to Isaac. The walls of Jericho came tumbling down. David defeated Goliath. The wise men found the Messiah and Peter walked on water. You think about that and think, man, if you and I are gonna gain momentum in life, if we're gonna gain momentum in our faith, if we're gonna grow spiritually, it will only happen when you and I are willing to look foolish for God and stand up and stand out and and be a little abnormal. Here's the second thing you have to know, it's in your notes. Spiritual maturity does not equal conformity. It's not about looking like everyone else. It's not about conforming to what the world says is true. Friends, on our website, if you go to our church website, you will see what we believe, who we are, our vision, our mission, you will see something there called the bylaws that spell out everything, every uh, everything you wanted to know and more, because it's legal, it's a legal document. You look at that, and it will tell you what this church believes and who we are, and uh, you know what? And it tells you that even if you don't like it. It's just kind of like that, right? It's just like that. When, it, when you're dealing with these things, it's not about being comfortable because when we put that website together, we could have sat there and thought, now what's everything that you and I could say to make everybody just be so happy? But it's not about that. It's about doing what God said. It's about being who he says we are. Here's some statistics, because I like statistics. 98% of children three to five years old scored um, in the genius category for divergent thinking. You ever hear of that word, divergent thinking? In other words, these kids uh, uh, have the ability to think outside the box that at that age, they create their own things and 98% of, the, of their minds, that that's, they're good at that, they can do that. 32% of children, eight to 10, scored, um, for the genius category, they scored 32% of this divergent thinking, thinking outside of the box, 32%. of teenagers scored in the genius category when it came to divergent thinking. And 2% of adults at the ripe age of 25, ripe age of 25, had this genius category in them. Well, you you read about that, you go, well, how do you go from 98% to 2%? in thinking abnormal, thinking out of the box, thinking this way, and that way, because you can see as the ages grow, as they get older, they care more about what other people think than thinking on their own, thinking uh, kind of outside the box. And so before you know it, just at the age of 25 there, like I said, 2%. And if people are thinking outside the box, they're afraid to say it because, they don't want to be, they don't be uh, uh, foolish. They don't want to be foolish. Friends, can I tell you something? As Christ followers, the things you and I say to the world look sometimes foolish. People are sick. We pray for them to be sick. They, uh, we pray for them to be well. Sorry. We pray for them to be well. And they get better. And the world says, why are you praying for them to be? You're wasting your time. Sometimes what happens is that when you and I get better, if we're not careful, instead of going praise the Lord, we go, boy, I was lucky. And then we steal, we steal God's gift to us, his blessing upon us because we've pondered off to some foolish luck thing something that we just say it's lucky I, I knew a I knew a lady who was a strong Christian and and she was very very sick and she couldn't walk sick she was wheeled in to church in a wheelchair and then uh, I mean the whole church prayed and there was 1200 people there the next week she walked in with a walker the next week she walked in with a cane and the next week she didn't have any of that stuff and she was just fine people in the we had a choir and people were crying because they seen how she in just a few weeks went from I'm defeated to I have victory I had a great opportunity to see her after church and she says you know, I have the most wonderful doctors. I was so lucky that the doctors really healed my body. And I kind of moved away because I thought lightning bolts were going to come down on her. You see, well, I love doctors, and doctors are sent by God, and I believe in those things. And so. But the truth of the matter is, God is in control. And sometimes when you and I put our trust in him to the world around us, It's a little foolish, and God wants you to be that way. See, when you and I spend our time trying to be like everyone else, God says, you know what you're doing? You're becoming a counterfeit. And God doesn't want you to be a counterfeit. He wants you to be the real thing. He wants you to walk in his way. I I love this church and I really do. Today if you're visiting for the first time if you're watching from home you have to know we have just a a handful of people here but there's there's 75 people who call this place their home at least last year Uh, and and there's going to be a hundred or more this year. I'll talk more about that next week but here's what you need to know that if we're not careful, we could walk in fear. And we can let fear dictate our lives, right? What's a priority in your life? Where are your priorities? Friends, today we have people who are not here today because there's a little snow on the grass. You see, what happens is this. If we find ourselves in a place and I know that this is not a popular discussion that I'm doing right now, but listen, if we put ourselves in a place where we allow things to come before God, we're going to find ourselves uh, having more trouble than we expect, because God doesn't want to be second place to anything or anyone. Amen? If you could say that, that would makes me feel better. Here's what you should know, because like I said, I I love the people here because here's what you should know uh, all over the country who are watching, and I hope you're like this where you are, but everybody is who they are. There's no pretending. There's no pretense going on. You see, people are who they are. And as a church, we've adopted something, and I'm talking more about this next week, but we're gonna uh, we're, we adopted something a long time ago, and here it is. It's a point in your notes. Point A. In essentials, there is unity. In essentials, there is unity. What does that mean? It means as a church. If you're a member of this church, if you're part of Prescott Valley Bible Church, here's what we say is essential it's absolute it's non-debatable the Bible is the inspired Word of God Jesus is the only way to God and we are saved by grace through faith that is we're we're not we won't compromise on that in essentials there is unity see People wanna talk essentials to me quite often. Uh, I have kids, Pastor Andy, I have kids, and we're really thinking about, it's getting time for them to go to school, and should I send them to a public school, a private school, a Christian school, or should I homeschool them? What do you think? And the answer is, yes. Yes, you should. You should send them to a public school, a private school, or you should send them to a Christian school, or you should homeschool them. You have to pray about that, what's the best thing for your family, and that's what you should do, because that is not an essential discussion. It's, it's something that God says, what would you think is the best thing? What's the best thing for you? What's the best thing for your family? Well, Pastor Eddie, how do I dress for church? I mean, should I wear a suit and tie? Should I wear jeans? Can I, uh, uh, what, what's appropriate? What's not appropriate? Can I wear a t-shirt? Well, well, you can wear a t-shirt as long as it doesn't have uh, any other football teams but the Cardinals on it. I mean, I, no, none of those other ones are acceptable in church. The truth is this. Wear clothes. It doesn't matter what you wear here you do what you think is right and nobody should ever judge you for that well what kind of music should i listen to in the car and what kind of music should we play in church i mean pastor andy should we pray should we play rock and roll type music traditional music gospel music contemporary music and the answer is yes we should because here's the, here's the deal, that's not an essential thing in the style. The, the thing that's important to us needs to be whatever's going to touch somebody's heart is what we should be willing to do. I mean, unless it's country music and then forget it, that's not, but, but you know what I mean, right? I'm only kidding with the country music, you guys like country music, I know. Uh, uh, you get what I'm saying? I guess what I'm saying is there may be a day when we have someone rapping in here, right? A, a special guest rapping. I pray not, I hope not, but you know what? If, if it reaches kids, if it reaches people for Jesus, I'm for it, aren't you? Uh, here's point B in your notes. In essentials, there is unity, and in non-essentials, there is liberty. You see, you you have liberty. And then point C, in all things there is love. You see, God is not creating robots. He's not calling us to be like robots. He's calling us to be individuals made in his image. He wants us to walk in his way. He doesn't want us to conform to everyone else. He doesn't want us to, to, to be like anyone else. You know, I, 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 if you're not careful, you can find yourself, without realizing it, beginning to judge other people. Because here's what, here's what I was asked one time, Pastor Andy, what would happen if somebody walked in and they were gay? If they walked into the church and they were gay, how would you respond to that? I said, we would love them. We'd welcome them in. We'd say, we're glad you're here. And we would talk about sin, because that's what we, same thing with an alcoholic, same thing with, with a drug addict, same thing with an overeater, same thing with, you, you pick the sin. You see, everyone's loved and welcomed, but it doesn't mean that we say that everything is okay. Have I made anyone mad yet? You guys look all right so far. Nobody looks too mad at me yet. Uh, you see, we're called to be nonconformists. And, and there's, there's a person in the Bible, his name is Steve, but we call him Stefan in the Bible. Who was a nonconformist? Take a look at what it says. Switch over, turn over to Acts chapter 6. Acts chapter 6. Here's a story about this guy, Stephan. Verse 8. We're going to start there. Now, Stephan, a man full of God's grace and power, performed great wonders and signs among the people. You read that and you go, wow, I'd love to be able to be like that. I'd love to be able to perform great signs and wonders in the name of God. See, the question is, uh, you can, if you are walking in God's grace and power. If you have him as your Lord and Savior, what Stephen does is not any different than any other Christ follower. But here's what he does is that he's not afraid to look foolish. He's not afraid to speak up. He's not afraid to step out. See, here's what you're going to find. God is going to help us to meet the, the challenges we face if we would allow him to. Now, there are people who are watching me today who are been Christians a long time, but instead of uh, thinking about having a deeper relationship with Christ sometimes what happens is that we become um, we become religious I always make a face when I say religious because here's what religious means to me that we take on man made ideas and we say God said this God did this and so we start saying that things are, are, it's a little confusing. It takes us off in a different direction. Stephen is talking to a group of religious people. They were called the Sanhedrin, Sanhedrin. San, you pronounce it tomatoes, tomatoes, right? One of those deals. Uh, look at Acts, Acts chapter 6, verses 9 and 10. Opposition rose. He just now he just performed wonders, right? He uh, w- among them. Now opposition arose, however, from members of the synagogue, of the freedom, of the freemen, Jews of the Cyrene, the Alexandra Alexandria, as well, and the providence of uh, that place uh, and, and Asia who began to argue with Stephan. Why would they argue with him? All he did was perform signs and wonders in the name of God. And they began to argue with him. What's wrong with you? What do you think you're doing? Verse 10. But they could not stand up against the wisdom of the Spirit gave to him as he spoke. You see, sometimes what happens is... uh, There's trouble when you start stepping out. When you're doing that, even from people who are around you. I mean, I I know you're battling with this or that in your life. And listen, I'm a Christian too, but you have to face facts. I don't like that phrase, face facts. The facts are, is that God is bigger than anything that we're facing. That's the fact. Look what happens now in Acts 7 of verses 51 through 53 because Stephan is, is about to have a he's having a hard time now they want to take him outside and stone him to death stone him to death uh, Stephen was real sweet with them and look at what happened you stiff-necked people. How do you like that? That's a, not a good way to start a discussion, I don't think. You stiff-necked people. Your hearts and ears are still uncircumcised. They're not open, in other words. You are just like your ancestors. You always resist the Holy Spirit. Uh, was there ever a prophet you your ancestors did not persecute? They even killed those who who predicted the coming of the righteous one, and now you have betrayed you betrayed and murdered him, you who have received the law that was given through angels, but have not obeyed it. Well, this didn't go over very well. Look at verse 54 through 58. When the members of the Sanhedrin heard this, they were furious, gnashing their teeth at him. You know what that means, right? Ah! You're making me furious. They were furious, gnashing their teeth at him. But Stephan, full of the Holy Spirit, looked up to heaven and saw the glory of God and Jesus standing at the right hand of God. Look, he said, I saw heaven open up and the Son of Man standing at the right hand of God. Now, if you were the Sanhedrin, if you were Bible people, if you were people who were, who were preaching the gospel, what would you do? I know what I would do. I'd be looking up. Look at what they did. Verse 57. At this, they covered their eyes and yelled at their top of their voice they all rushed him dragged him out of the city and began to stone him meanwhile the witness laid their coat the witnesses laid their coats at the feet of a young man named Saul you know who that Saul is that's Paul that's the apostle Paul before he became the apostle Paul His job was to kill Christians. And so here he is, and they're carrying it out. He would never have to carry this out because all he had to do was he stood there and watched all of this happen. And now go to verse 59. Acts 7, 59 through 60. While they were stoning him, Stephan prayed, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. Then he fell on his knees and cried out, Lord, do not hold this sin against him. Does that sound familiar to anybody? What did Jesus say up on the cross? Forgive them for they know not what they do. When he said this, he fell asleep. He was gone. You see, Stephen was more concerned with what was more concerned with walking like Jesus than walking like the popular vote what popular thing is acts chapter 8 verse 1 and Saul approved their killing of him well Saul is about to come across this road to Damascus account and it would change his life forever it looked, Acts 7:55. but Stephen, full of the Holy Spirit looked up at heaven and he saw that the glory of God Jesus standing at the right hand of God and he saw that and he spoke that out and it wasn't matter didn't matter what everyone there thought uh, you see when was the last time if you're here or watching from home when was the last time you spoke out in a crowd that would look at you like you're a little foolish you know do you know when we study Jesus about Jesus he wasn't afraid to look foolish he, he Jesus touched people with leprosy Do you know at that time, No, if you had leprosy, you had to walk on the other side of the road because you couldn't go near anybody. He touched somebody with leprosy, and they wasn't supposed to do that. He healed people on the Sabbath. Can you imagine that? You're not supposed to work on the Sabbath. If you call yourself a pastor, guess what? I'm in big trouble for many people. But but that's not what Jesus does. Jesus defended adulterers and prostitutes while people wanted to stone them to death. He didn't do that. He defended them. He washed the feet of the disciples. He made himself the lowest of the low in the servants to wash their feet. He ate with tax collectors. And the religious people would never, ever do that they weren't allowed to be in the tent with them and he went there and he saw them and he ate with them and he told them about God. Here's the third point in your notes. Spiritual maturity is becoming childlike instead of childish. It's becoming childlike instead of childish look at what Jesus said in Matthew eighteen three. and he said truly I tell you unless you change and we don't like that change business right uh, and become like little children you will never enter the kingdom of heaven you know we we, uh, we think about little children and I don't know about you but uh, Sometimes when I see little children, I see parents, and I can see the look in their eyes that says, grow up already. Will you grow up already? And Jesus says, become like little children. Be people who who get childlike faith. If you ever need someone to pray for you, get, get little children who are Christians to pray for you because they believe with all of their heart. You see, they, they, they don't just give you lip service. They believe it with all of their hearts. See, there's a difference between being childlike and childish. People who are childlike, they're interesting people because they hope the best for people, they believe the best about people, and they love the most when it comes to people. They just love people. I had a mother-in-law who was kind of childlike she loved you the first time she met you no matter what whoever you were whatever you did no matter what you did wrong she loved you anyway and cared for you and people loved her just the minute they saw her and she lived her life like that you see uh, Little children really never grow up. People who are childlike. They don't grow up. Lion chasers never grow up. Dreamers for God never grow up. See, the difference between uh, childlike and childish, here's what happens when a person is childish. Uh, A childish person, a childish A child hold on a childish person is self-centered everything is about them and they're always dependent on someone taking care of them and meeting their needs this person often walks around with an attitude that says you owe me have you ever known anybody with that attitude you owe me attitude um, it's not pretty it's not a pretty attitude childlike means you're happy you're you're adventurous that you're you're trusting that you're ready to see the world with unlimited possibilities and your life is to take a journey with Jesus little children don't have to they don't have a hidden agenda they they, they don't know what pride means they don't know what it means to to have prejudice friends. Today, it's important for us to get the difference between these, because at the end of the service here, I want you to think about it a little bit and think: Am I childlike or am I childish? Am I am I really happy with the things of God, and or, or, or am I really happy when He's doing things my way? You see. It's not childish people, it's always about you. And childlike is about putting our trust in God and understanding that he's bigger than anything that comes our way. Here's number four, point number four. Spiritual maturity is caring less about uh, what others think and more about what God thinks about you. I made the biggest mistake. Do you know, it's really funny to me because the other day I was thinking about church and I was thinking about ministry and, and I've been a pastor now for almost 15 years, 15 years. And when I first started being a pastor, I knew everything. Can you believe that? I literally knew everything. I knew exactly. No one had to tell me how to be a pastor because I knew it all. And one of my main jobs, uh, Greg, is is that one of my main jobs was to go around and make sure that everybody who was in church was happy with me. And I learned, I, and, and so that I knew that was it because if everybody was happy with me, everything was going to be okay. It wasn't, it didn't take me long to realize and I believe God showed me this, that I'm to love everyone and I love everyone. And I want everyone to be happy. But my job is to make God happy by doing what he wants us to do, by leading in that way. And so uh, it's, it's a difficult thing because sometimes it takes a lot for us to understand that. And that's not just the Pastor Andy thing. That is Christ follower Kathy, Christ follower Sue, and, and your name, put your name in that place. Is that we're not here to uh, make everyone happy. We're here to serve God. Here, look at what it says. If this is a story in 2 Samuel 6, verses starting in verse 16. Are you timing? Am I way off? Five minutes, okay. Five minutes. I'm doing good. I'm going to be done. Five minutes. Uh, 2 Samuel 6, 16. As the ark of the Lord was entered into the city of David, Jerusalem, uh, the daughter of Saul watched from the window. Now, this daughter of Saul is David's wife. And uh, Saul, you know, you you know the king Saul. So the, it's her, it's his daughter David's wife. She's watching from the window, and when she saw King David leaping and dancing before the Lord, she despised him in her heart. See, here's a girl, here's a lady that was his wife. She grew up in the palace. She knew what it meant to be the king. She knew what was appropriate. She knew how to act. Yes, amen. She knew how to just do that right and and be, be perfect. And she's looking out the window at King David. And what is he doing? He's running down the street, dancing and leaping and praising God and worshiping him. That's not appropriate. See, here's what you should know about not being appropriate for God. Here's what you should know about this. For some people it will inspire them for some people it will excite them for some people they'll become critical of you for doing that friends i i have i am so blessed to be able to play once in a while play with the with this worship team people like carl and robin and and the whole worship team really and and i get to play with play my bass guitar or i try to the best i can and i'm doing that and you know Sometimes I get a little excited playing because we're worshiping God. And I received I received message I received an email from somebody and said, Pastor Andy, I don't think it's appropriate that you get excited when you're playing the bass guitar. Too bad. And I love you. And I just want you to know. Listen, friends, if you get excited, if you get Pulled out because you're doing something for God. Praise the Lord. Because they'll know who you are. You're a, you're a child of God. You're the King's kid. And and listen, it, 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 I don't know if it's a point in your notes, but I know the formula. I know the formula for success. Uh, uh, I know it because I know the formula for failure. Here's the formula for failure. Try to please everyone. You will fail in a minute. And it will make you sick. Here's the point in your notes as we start wrapping down here today. Momentum comes from living for an audience of one. Momentum comes. You and I are called to grow spiritually in our faith. This year we are going to study the Bible like never before and we're gonna continue to grow in the knowledge of who he is. We're gonna walk in his way and we're gonna do this together because here's what's so important, God and God alone. Here's the second thing, point B. Living for God alone is taking yourself less seriously and taking God more seriously I know that I'm a little wacky sometimes friends I preach a sermon every week and you know what I'll try to make you laugh and I'll try to make you laugh for a reason because the things that I say that I try to make you laugh pertains to the message and I know if you could remember that little silly story or this thing or that then i'm doing what i'm supposed to do because otherwise i'd be pretty bored i'm i'm kind of boring already but i'd be really boring if i didn't do that stuff so you got to take yourself less seriously and god more seriously as i'm wrapping up this now I'll let you, you could raise your hand on this one if you want, but if you don't, I already know the answer. Have you ever been driving down the street in your car and it's you and maybe another person or maybe even by yourself, you turn the radio on and there's a song that you like, what do you do? You ever start bobbing to the song? You ever start singing the song and nobody's in the car? People pull up next to you and man, Carl, you look foolish doing that. And Carl goes, praise the Lord. I don't care if I look foolish. You see, that's what God is calling us. Don't matter. It doesn't matter at that. People like that. They get excited. One day, my brother-in-law and I were together. We're doing this. We're driving down the road and he's like, he was like, 75, 77, something like that. And he's sitting next to me and we pull up to these kids and I says, you ready? He goes, yeah. And I turn that radio up and him and I were, were going like this, you know, laughing. And we look over at them and they go, and the next thing I know they're doing this and it's like, how cool is that that we had an effect on what they were doing? You have an effect on the people you come in contact. Who was crazy? King David who was dancing and worshiping the Lord or his wife that was sitting up in the room saying, You should never do that. You're not making you're not making a good, good place for yourself. Here's point number five. Spiritual maturity is is living with passion instead of being religious. Matthew 21, 12, and 13 says this, Jesus entered the temple courts and drove out all who were buying and selling there. He overturned the tables and the money changers and the benches to those who were selling uh, doves. It, it is written, he said to them, my house will be called the house of prayer, but you have made it a den of robbers here's what's important for you and I last message, last thing in the notes if you and I are going to gain momentum this year we're going to have to find ourselves in a place where we're really willing to take on the things we need to make the things that are important to God important to us so what's important to God it's a point A advancing his kingdom. Friends, there's nothing more important than that. We're a church family building a bridge to wholeness in Christ. Next week, we are gonna have a special service that's going to talk about the state of the church for 2020, where we're going in 2021, and you don't wanna miss it. And if you can't be here, watch online because we're gonna put that on, and I'm gonna put that on early. Look, if we're gonna have momentum this year, we're gonna, we're, gonna, we're gonna change how we think a little bit. You see, we're not gonna settle for tolerance. Instead, we're gonna walk in the truth. We're gonna exchange living for comfort for exchanging it for challenges. We may prefer peace, but we must be willing to take risks for God. You see, we must be willing to look foolish and not fit in if we're following Jesus. We can't settle for being religious. Instead, we must be committed to an adventure with Christ. Here's how I wanna wrap it up. In what area of your life are you standing out for Jesus? I'd like you to think about that as we close. In what area of your life are you standing out for Jesus? And if you can't come up with one Today is the rest of your life. First day of the rest of your life. It's time to stand up and it's time to step out. If you're watching from home today, we never want to leave a service without giving you an opportunity to ask Jesus to be the Lord of your life. Will you pray with me? Will you repeat after me? Even if you've made this confession of faith already. Let's pray. Dear Lord Jesus, come into my life. Forgive me of my sins. I repent of my sins. I accept you now as my personal Lord and Savior. In Jesus' name.